This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask Your Vet with Dr. Jeff and on Instagram Live. It's my simulcast and I'm both going on at the same time. Hope you had a good week. For those of you at Pet Life, we missed you last week, but on Instagram, you're here. I'm waving. I hope your questions are ready. I want you to have questions because we're here for you. We're here for your pets. Anything you want to know, a couple of ways to get a hold of me here on Instagram Live, just type away. And uh, I'm here on Pet Life Radio. You can either call me toll free at 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Or you can also reach me here a better way because then I get to see you and your pet live is to join us here. You go on to PetLifeRadio.com, click on shows, ask a vet with Dr. Jeff, and you can join us on that Zoom link left for you there by our producer, Mark. And um, you can just come in anytime and uh, during the show. Anyway, uh, of course, we have some things to talk about, some great stories. That, uh, while you guys are thinking of questions, already first question, what happened to my paw? No, this was not a bite. I was attacked by a scalpel blade from one of my colleagues, my good friends, Robbie Roth, who was a hand surgeon. And I had something called trigger finger. It was really, I've had it for a long time. I already had it injected once with steroid. There's a sheath and your extensor and flexor tendons, and this was a flexor tendon, go through the sheath. And sometimes it gets stuck. So I can go like this, but I couldn't go up. I had to like really take it. And if I tried to force it up, it hurt like, you know what? So it worked great after the first injection of steroid. But I was told, I was warned by both friends of mine, both hand surgeons, that it's going to come back. And, and it did. So finally, I said, grin and bear it. I'm going to go in. I'm going to get it taken care of. And um, I put stitches in. I'm leaving for Park City to go snowboarding on Friday. So I said, look, I'm doing sure I was doing surgery the very next day, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. I told him, I said, you can't give me a big wrap because I have to be able to put a glove around it because I'm going to, I have surgery. I got, I got three surgeries the next day. So he did. There I was like an idiot. It was like when I had my shoulder done, they told me, oh my, you're going to be in bed. You're going to be ice packs. You're I was I was back at work two days later doing surgery. So I don't listen to doctors. I don't pay much attention to what they tell me. I want you to pay attention when I say something, but I don't do it when it comes to my own doctors because I just I'm too busy. Anyway, so while you guys are thinking of some good uh, questions to ask me, loss in dog. Ah, that's a good way. So is there any way to to basically measure hearing loss in a dog? First of all, one of my uh, the neurologists when I was in vet school, Dr. Kennedy, was actually working on some sort of device. Is there is there a way that we could you know give a hearing aid for a dog? The problem is the dog's anatomy, ear anatomy, is so difficult. It, it would be like impossible unless they could do something externally, but you could go down in the ear. So anyway, P.S. I don't think it's ever happened. I, I've, I've never seen anyone that had some sort of device like that. But what I do is I will be in a room. And I have a pretty loud whistle. I mean, it's pretty loud. So I tell the owner to hold your dog and just like you get his attention. So he's not seeing what I do. And all of a sudden, I will give my whistle. And if that dog turns around, I know we could hear. Now, as far as measure what pitch, how loud the sound has to be, that's when we run with these older dogs. They've been with you for a long time. And there is something that we see in kids called selective hearing. I hear you, but I'm not paying attention to you. So, and that's what I think sometimes happens with these dogs. It's like, oh my, there's mom again, there's dad again. <laughs> I don't care what they tell me. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Where the dog becomes more like a cat, where they just ignore you. 
but they still can hear. And then sometimes it's truly a hearing impediment, impairment. With that hearing impairment, they can hear, but it has to be really, really loud. And that's just an age thing. So I wish it was an easy solution. And as far as I know right now, other than the good old fashioned whistle test, I don't know how you can um, know what you could do. I'm thinking about it. You know, like when we try to desensitize dogs to fireworks, we you know get a fireworks or 4th of July, we get a, a fireworks download online, the sounds, and you play it really, really, really low. And you start, we don't hear it, but they hear it. And so what I'm wondering you can do is if you can get a word that they really respond to, treat, walk, you want to go out, whatever it is. And you play that and play it really, really low and start increasing your volume more and more and more until you get that response. So they turn around and they look at you. Yeah, yeah, I want to go out. Or yeah, I want that treat. That might be a way just to see how, how loud does it have to be before they respond. And it's uh, a pretty good idea. That's something you can try. I can't promise. Uh, that's a I swollen, itchy, allergic reaction. Benadryl, absolutely. One of my canine nephews, has swollen eyes. So yes, if there is a, always try some Benadryl, use about a milligram per pound. You could always try like a, also a cold compress, like an ice pack. And then lastly, the next thing would be steroids, but obviously you need to get a prescription and see your doc for that. But always try Benadryl first and some sort of you know cold pack, and that should bring down the swelling. Usually when you see that, it is typically an acute allergic reaction. So while some of you are getting the courage, to ask for questions. I am going to read some stories that have come up. And anyway, since we didn't get a chance to do the show, so this from the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, I was going to report on this last week, and that is, it's now highly recommended year-round heartworm prevention everywhere in the United States. And we didn't have a big heartworm problem here in California, in Southern California, but we're seeing more and more, and there's a mosquito that's adapted to our drier climate and lower humidity, the Culex or Culicoides crinkofaciatus, that's a $10 word for you. And anyway, they are recommending, and I've seen it, I've been sitting outside all right, near, you know, in my backyard, seven o'clock in the springtime, PM, it's still light, I'm reading, it's, it's like the perfect time, right? And um, all of a sudden you hear and boom, and you see the mosquito. I swatted and gotten a number of mosquitoes. And it was predicted years ago, by the way, that here in Southern California, we are going to have a mosquito problem that's going to be year round because of this new mosquito that has adapted to our climate. So I would 100% take heed to this, start getting your dogs and cats heartworm tested. Uh, There's no prevention for cats, but there is for dogs. And uh, so anyway, go for it. This is also interesting that Mastiffs, St. Bernard's, Great Danes, and Bulldogs are more likely to be diagnosed with cancer at a young age than, say, Bichons and Westies and American Staffordshire Terriers. Also, male dogs and females that are not spayed or neutered are more likely to develop cancer than males or females that are spayed or neutered. So in answer to many of your questions, there's only one breed that statistically seems to get more cancers in the neutered or spayed version than the non-neutered or non-spayed version. And that is the golden retriever. And that's relatively new. And there's a lot of work being done now. I know Davis is studying it and some of the other vet schools. What is going on with these dogs? Why? And interestingly, they are now the most common cancer dogs are now the golden retriever. It used to be the boxer. Now it's the golden retriever. So anyway, again, uh, just know that if you want to argue about not spaying or neutering with your veterinarian, if you have a golden retriever, then that is a good argument. Okay, have cats? Any of you have cats? I have five. A new study shows that regularly playing with them, with your cats, improves their quality of life and also keeping them indoors provides a better quality of life as well as better cat-owner relationships. Now, understand this. If you live someplace 
where it's like very country, you don't have a lot of traffic, you don't have free roaming dogs, you know, et cetera. Then a lot of people like their cats that, you know, because look, cats are hunters. They, they do like being outside. But I got to tell you, the average outdoor cat in Los Angeles makes it maybe four or five years, whereas an indoor cat like mine, all indoors. And interesting, one of my cats who is now my second oldest, he is a phenomenal cat. Name is Ninja, Black Ninja. He was an outdoor cat outside. He found us. He adopted us. Okay. And then when we realized we weren't, we weren't getting rid of this cat, we took him inside. He became ours. Now, I got to tell you something. And when we first got him, he would really try to get out any open door, open window. He was always waiting. It was amazing how he really seemed to like being outdoors. But after being inside, having his other cat friends, having his dog friends, having the people whenever he wanted, having access to food right all the time, never had to hunt for it, never had to fight for it. Guess what? The door can be wide open. Literally, I can leave a front door wide open. He'll walk up to the threshold, take a peek either way and say, nah, going back in. So um, I think it's safer for them. No dogs, no cars, no coyotes, no uh, feline leukemia, no feline AIDS. I mean, it's just a, a safer environment and these cats thrive. So anyway, keep that in mind. And also speaking of, of when you, you know, high, long lives, high quality lives, exercise, good vet care and a healthy diet keeping weight at a really healthy level, all contribute to helping your dogs live and enjoy longer lives. So again, keep that in mind. You know, this was a big concern. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that when the vaccine requirements have changed, and now we, you know, like, for example, rabies every three years in most states, distemper parvo every three years, same thing with cats, cat vaccines, the FERCPPNE, three years. So People were worried that, oh my God, if we're going to give them three years, they're not going to come in once a year. You know, God, that's just a marketing thing. When you have a relationship with your client and you send out a reminder just to come in for your annual wellness exam, they are going to come in. And it's very important because there are a lot of things that we can do and we can test for as a younger age just to pick up some problems. And um, anyway, I'm a big fan of that. This was also interesting. It's called the Eurasian Eagle Owl. It escaped from New York City Central Park Zoo and is now successfully, basically, it is hunting rats in Central Park. And we know that that rat problem is a big one. So people are loving that. And um, they, they, he seems like they don't want to catch him. He's always there. They know exactly where he hangs out. And he seems to like it better in that natural environment. And uh, that's pretty cool. I love stories like that. Where this owl actually got the ch a choice. How many of our kids as little kids have an option. You want to live outside? You want to go out and live by yourself? Go for it. No problem. You know, but yet this owl said, you know what? It's okay here, but I kind of like it better out there. So I'm going out. And, um, and the zoo is leaving him alone because he's, he seems to be thriving. We talked about cats earlier. This is another uh, reason why we want to have cats seen more regularly, even though their vaccines are only due once every three years, especially for an indoor cat. And also, this is something that I see a lot of, and that is that Cats seem to mask a lot of their diseases. They don't show them. So this was a story that since basic cat vaccs for cats that are indoors are every three years, it really still, you want to keep up on those exams because there's a lot of things that are often missed and you may not know it. For example, let's take kidneys. The number one killer of old cats, kidney disease. You realize that before we start seeing evidence of failure in a cat, two thirds to three quarters of the kidney mass is gone. So you can, even if you do a blood test, that BUN and that creatinine levels are still going to be normal with over half the kidney gone and yet it's still normal. So there is so much of the body's ability to compensate 
for problems that we don't see them on the outside. So it's very helpful. So there are other factors, things we can look, we can questions we can ask. Is the cat drinking more water than normally? Probably is. So this is where it really does help. Speaking of, here from New York Yankee, is it common for a dog who is old to lose a lot of weight fast, but be recommended weight and eat less now? So, so here's the thing, that if this were a cat, losing weight, still eating, everything else is normal. I'm thinking hyperthyroidism. It's so common in these older cats. Now, for a dog, however, when a dog starts to lose weight, despite an appetite, eating normal amount, everything else is good, is that when there are certain diseases, organ dysfunction, heart and kidney, for example, cancer, they could have a thyroid mass, a tumor that is secreting more thyroid hormone. So these things, when, when you have a dog that's losing weight and despite an appetite, they really need to be examined. They need to be checked out. Now, if they start eating less on their own, something's wrong. If they're stopping to eat, you know, we always say the first question is we ask someone who's coming in with a sick animal or weight loss or anything, are they eating okay? If they're not eating, ah, now we have to look at other things. We have to look at the mouth, first of all. We see a lot of problems, of course, with tartar, gingivitis, severe gum disease. And if a dog salivates excessively or picks up food like they want to eat, but then they just don't seem to like chew it well, and then they might even drop some of the food that they just picked up in their mouths, that is usually you're looking for an oral problem. And it could be an oral lesion, an oral mass, gum disease, loose teeth, rotten teeth, many factors. And then if there's other organ dysfunctions, all right, and that's why the blood tests and urinalysis are essential at this point, what is making them sick? Do they have a fever? Are they in pain? I mean, you can have a dog with severe arthritis that's in pain. That's why those exams, the thorough physical, especially pets that are, you know, six or seven or older, cats and small dogs, maybe seven or eight or older, are essential because it's called preventive medicine. We want to get there and find out about a problem before we start seeing really bad clinical signs or before we get to the point where we've reached that point of no return and there's no, nothing we can do about it. Anyway, with that sad note, I'm going to break here for a quick break so our sponsors can let us know what they're selling and, and how good this stuff is. And we'll be back after another minute. Don't go away. How many of you have pets? My hand's raised. Now think about how lucky you are to have such a sweet little pet in your life. And that pet is lucky to have you too. But unfortunately, there are countless pets out there that don't have a home to call their own. However, Bob's from Skechers is trying to change that. So we developed Bob's for Dogs and Cats to help pets in need. With every purchase of adorable Bob's footwear or fun, stylish apparel, or even the cutest Bob's pet accessories, Skechers makes a donation to Petco Love to help save shelter pets. And with your help, we've already saved the lives of over 1 million pets and raised over $7 million. So while you're getting style and comfort with features like Skechers' famous memory foam cushioning, you're also helping to save an adorable pet in need and helping another lucky owner be connected with a future best friend and companion. Because happiness is having a loving pet by your side. Find Bob's at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, select Petco locations, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live again with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio and Instagram Lives. Ask the best. What's a simulcast? You get to see me on TV. If you join us, you get to see me on both. So we had a question during the break from Instagram, and it really, really, really is a good question. And I am very opinionated about this, so I apologize in advance. 
But my opinion comes from some good homework. And I, you know, it's like, it's not like, it's not like educated guess. It is more than way educated because I heard it from, in fact, I just came back, as, as many of you know, I was in Beaver Creek, Colorado at the Colorado Vet Med Association Ski CE meeting, and it was all on dentistry. So the question is, what are your views on anesthesia-free teeth cleaning for dogs? Is it possible or just a cash grab? So I, yeah, it's cash. No, okay, here's the thing. So a study was done by Dr. Jan Bellows. We've had Jan on our show before. Jan is one of the premier veterinary dentists, board-certified veterinary dentists in the United States. And he did this amazing study. And let me preface, I used to have a human, well, of course he was human because she was a person, but she was a dental hygienist who was human and she worked on humans. So she was very good. And she would sit down and she would almost lull the dogs into not sedation. She never used any drugs, but turned the lights down. She played soft music and she had them in her lap and she would clean away. And I, w- I was amazed at how good a job she did. And so she would come in for those that, that you know, didn't want anesthesia. We knew it couldn't be as thorough because the gum thing, you couldn't get under the gums as well, but she was good. All right. So then this study comes out by Jan, Dr. Bellows. And um, what he did was he identified, I think we may have talked about this, but he identified groups of dogs, veterinarians that had regulars that would come in every six months or every year. And also he identified, he reached out to these anesthesia-free places. Sometimes they're groomers. Sometimes they're actually, there's a couple of out here that, that you think they're dental specialists. They don't have a single board certified veterinary dentist on staff. That really makes me mad. If you're going to claim that you are a dental place and dental specialist, then you better have a board certified veterinary dentist on staff. And they don't. And they do a lot of things with anesthesia, but they don't intubate, which is dangerous. If a dog aspirates or that stuff gets, you know, the crud, then you're using the ultrasonic scaler, gets down into the lungs, setting up some pretty major infection. So I am just so disenchanted with them, if you can tell. So anyway, what, what Jan's study did is he, he followed them for three years. And at the end of three years, after each session, he had them come before pictures and then after pictures. And then they would go it would all for free to the client, all for free. It was part of his study. He then had them come afterwards. So you'd see all the after pictures. But on the afterwards, he also took dental x-rays. And he showed the results. He reprinted them. It was published study. The teeth in the after on both groups looked pretty darn good, just like we would see. Lift up the gums, lift up the lips. I mean, you take a look. They look great. They're clean. No more plaque, no more tartar. That's fantastic. But on the x-rays, the bone destruction on the non-anesthetic group, because they can't get really dig and do the deep cleaning, was dramatic. Also, because they couldn't tell without taking dental x-rays that there are, might be some root issues or already early bone problems where you can extract those teeth as needed, that was missed as well. So basically, you are paying for a, pardon my French, half-assed job. And the way we look and measure, because we're lay people, is we just lift our lips and see good, nice, clean teeth. So you figure you're good. Well, guess what? You're not good. So I stopped this woman from coming. We now advise, here's where it comes in handy, just, just to be fair. If you have a dog that comes in, needs teeth cleaned frequently, if you want to go to the vet for the full, thorough cleaning, dental x-rays, really get a good job once a year, and then maybe at the six-month point, instead of going to that, because you may not see much of a change in six months, go to the anesthesia-free just for a good, thorough cleaning, then that would maybe be advisable. You could try it. But if we see on the year mark that you're back and you get x-rays and there's a lot more damage done, then you know it may not be so great. So that's how I feel about it. Talk to your veterinarian. Read some stuff online. Talk about to these veterinary dentists. They are very firmly against it. 
They think that it is you're not doing the service. It's actually a disservice because it's giving you what you think is peace of mind and it is not qualified. It is not justified to get that peace of mind, but you don't know it because you don't see what's going on under the gums. And sometimes we can't without some other diagnostics like dental radiographs. Think about it. Think about it. You go in for what? Once a year, a couple of times a year, at least once a year, your dentist is taking x-rays and there's a reason for it. It's not just to grab money. That's because they have to, the whole idea there is, can we identify something now early before it becomes a problem? So anyway, I hope that answers your question. And um, if you have any comments about that, please let me know. Okay. Senior blood test came out good and was checked out. Then I would say maybe it's a diet. This is going back to the losing weight. If everything came back fine, then I would be looking for either a cancer somewhere because understand, people say that all the time. So if we do that blood test, we no, about the only cancer that you'll pick up is either a bloodborne cancer like a leukemia or if a cancer is attacking an organ and really destroying that organ, for example, the liver, then you might see some liver enzyme elevation. But there are cancers out there. There's intestinal cancer that early on, you may not even know it's going on. How many people that you know go in for some sort of pain, all right? And they're advanced cancer because they had no idea. Pancreatic, for example. Um, a friend of mine, sadly, passed away in his 50s, early 50s, pancreatic cancer from diagnosis to death from February to April. I mean, really sad. So um, no, it, some of these things are silent. So I would, I would do a little further in depth. Now, one thing you could try simply, if the dog is still eating okay, abnormal appetite, Maybe, maybe something's changed in the food. Try a different food. Maybe offer him a little bit more food. And if he eats the more food and still losing weight, there's something going on. You just got to find it. So uh, MRI, a CT scan, an ultrasound would be the place to start, a really thorough ultrasound by a, a really a, a, an internist or someone who is really, really radiologist that, know, that has amazing skills in ultrasound. Most of us, myself included, I do a lot of ultrasound. But if I am looking for something and I can't find it, but I suspect it's there based on presentation, I'll send it to my colleague, Dr. Feldman for a, I mean, he's a master at ultrasound. So anyway, there you have it. All right. You came on love for cancer. What happened to my hand? So my hand was, I mentioned it earlier. I had a trigger finger and my finger got stuck. It was starting to get a problem. I had it injected with steroid several months ago. It worked for several months. And it, it just kept coming back. It kept came back. And I just, it was getting swollen. My hand was getting painful. And I said, you know, I went to my friend, a hand surgeon, and he uh, did, he had to cut the tendon sheath uh, the, or the ligament and um, no, excuse me, the tendon, tendon sheath. So, and he, uh, apparently our, our extensor tendons and our flexor tendons run through a, a sheath and it's called a tendon release. And apparently it's very common because I asked him, I said, Robbie, how many of you have you, of these have you done? He goes, probably in his career, and he's practicing probably 35, 40 years, over 40 years. He goes, probably thousands. So that and carpal tunnel, he says, are, are the most common surgeries that he does. So um, anyway, I'm feeling much better. I'm taking the, I'm going to take the stitches out myself. And um, because we're going away and he, his office is kind of far away. So I didn't want to. And here from Eloise, thank you, Vicky, for joining in. I agree. I this talk going back to the anesthesia for dentals. I agree. I tried it because it can be so expensive to do a dental, but the anesthesia free is worthless. I agree totally. Thank you very much. Oh, good. The seventeen-year-old dog had lymphoma. We did treatment. She's doing great. Treatment Dr. Warwick gave worked. I'm thrilled. That's so good. But we still want to keep up on those shots. We want to do them, uh, even though she's in remission. We we should use to do more a couple of increasing shots. So let me get some other stories while you're thinking, getting the nerve up to ask me some more questions. So, um, ah, new Guinness Book of World Records. 
more than 30 veterinarians, 230 support staff and volunteers vaccinated and microchipped nearly 2,000 companion animals at a recent 24-hour vaccine clinic sponsored by the Charleston, South Carolina Animal Society, and 2,226 pet owners promised to keep their pets' vaccines up to date. So I guess who knows what Guinness does? Uh, why would they, who come up with an idea? Let's have a world record for the number of vaccines given in a day. But apparently they did. And uh, this was the winner, uh, 24, 2,000 animals, which is great. And what more important is that the people that went and brought their animals, right? Pet owners promised to keep their pets' vaccines up to date. So that's very important because as we know, many of these diseases are totally, totally preventable, but you got the vaccine and you got to do the vaccination and that's it. Now, ooh, this is also cool. There's a new Florida bill that would establish an animal abuser registry. The bill would ban anyone convicted of animal abuse from owning an animal without court permission and would establish an animal abuser registry that breeders would also be able to check prior to the sale of an animal. So that's a kind of good idea. So in Florida, hats off to Florida, because I just saw something on, on TikTok that was disgusting. It was a dog that was found that was literally dying, absolutely dying. Skin and bone could barely lift its head. It would look like it was a bait dog for fighting. So anyway, bottom line is that it was found, fortunately, brought into a vet. It was hospitalized for a couple of weeks. On IV is built up, now has a home. And they show post pictures of this dog running around. That is great. But how terrible, how disgusting is that? These fighting dogs that do that. Um, love for canines. Pro Heart Heartworm Shot is that just pharmacy sales? I don't like it because there is not a dewormer given monthly, like a heartworm pill monthly. What do you like to use monthly on your dogs? Well, Pro Heart, Pro Heart 6, and now Pro Heart 12. Yes, that's all it does is heartworm. But my feeling is this, and you hit, you hit the nail on the head, as they say, you still have to gonna give it, you're going to give a monthly flea and tick pill. You're going to give other monthly pills anyway. So why not give that same pill that has heartworm prevention as well? So if you want to do a threefer, which is get the fleas, ticks, and heartworm all in one chewable tab, you have two choices. One is Credilio Plus, all right? And one is Simparica Trio. Provecto and NextGuard still don't have a combo, but I would only imagine the way these companies fight each other and also want to outdo the other. It won't be long before they do have an option that is also heartworm prevention all coupled up into one monthly chewable. Now, Perfecto might be tougher because their flea and tick prevention is good for 12 weeks. So I don't know if there is such a, a heartworm prevention that is good for more than, well, the, the injection, the ProHeart 6 and 12 is, but, but now if you don't have flea and tick, and uh, at least the ProHeart is effective. But one thing I also recommend, even once a year, once every, every 18 months, make sure you test your dog anyway. For one reason is that for heartworm, because one reason is that most of these companies will guarantee their product. And if you can show that it's been given monthly and you've tested, and all of a sudden, even on medication, they test positive, many of them offer to take care of the treatment, which is expensive for the heartworm treatment. So keep that in mind. Oh, there's another one, a story I saw, two of them. Ah, this is really a wow. And um, I'm going a little bit over, but I apologize in advance. But rescuers pulled a frail, tired, very sad. It's a husky dog from beneath the rubble in the Turkey, the um, Antakya Turkey earthquake. It was buried probably 23 days because it happened. They found it after the earthquakes, 23 days after the earthquakes. And teams heard a dog when they were going through the rubble, heard a dog moaning. They lifted the rocks and whatever. They found the dog 23 days. I would think that's impossible. Anyway, 
Uh, they took him to vet hospital for care. And the dog, apparently, he's doing, doing pretty well now. But 23 days, that's tough. And um, this is also interesting because I hear a lot about it. How many of you, show of hands, have taken your, your dogs and gotten the DNA tests on your dogs, right? And then it comes back and you're saying, what? What? Chihuahua? I was like, no, no way. So there's a large margin of error found in these DNA tests. So four different directors, a reporter did this. He took four different directed consumer tests evaluated, all right, and obviously very different conclusions. They had samples on two mixed breed dogs, one pure breed Great Dane, and the news reporter himself submitted. Okay. So, first of all, one of the tests listed a Great Dane. Now, this was a purebred Great Dane as 100% Chihuahua, two confirmed 100% Great Dane, and one mostly Dane with 10 to 25% Staffordshire Terrier. Okay. Now, I didn't get the results from the report on the mixed breeds, but the reporter, check this out. So the reporter actually was a mix of four different breeds. Uh, one said he was also a mix of a Basenji and a Beagle. And two said the testing on the sample failed because obviously we shouldn't have any DNA of a human in their animal testing kits. But so this guy either is pretty weird. <laughs> Some of his ancestors were into pretty kinky stuff, but uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> a, a mix of different breeds. That's pretty funny. Anyway. So, uh, and one last quickie, faulty wiring under city streets. This is something that can be scary, especially during the winter. So that in many big cities, the wiring after being under, you know, it's under the city streets and it gets faulty, it starts to degrade and you can get actually shocks and then snow and salt put on, on city streets because of the snow actually are conducive. So they conduct more of the electricity. So the reason why we don't feel is because we're, when are we walking barefoot in, in snow and it was salt on the ground, but our dogs do. And um, so apparently it's something you just kind of keep a watch out for because if your dog seems like doesn't want to walk on cement, there may be something, take your shoes and socks off and see, are you feeling any buzz coming up through the, the cement? But it, it's a caution out there. If your dog is always hungry, blessed, and no dog is healthy, normal poop, what would you look for? So, oh, so we, we talked about that. So then you're looking for some cancer somewhere or or just some change in the food or some change in their metabolism. I said the simple thing is start feeding them more or change the food to something that has more caloric consistency. And if the, the concentration of calories per volume of food is greater and they're still losing weight, there's something going on inside. It just doesn't happen. I'm thinking heart disease or cancer. If the heart was checked out really well and that's normal, there is some cancer probably somewhere in that dog. And what happens is with cancer, cancer steals the nutrition from the dog, from the food that's being ingested for its own growth. Remember, cancers grow very, very fast by doubling time. So they need that nutrition. They need that caloric volume to maintain itself. So anyway, I'd still be looking and also check thyroid because uh, hyperthyroidism in dogs is rare. But if there's a thyroid cancer, a thyroid tumor would not show up on bloods, would not show up necessarily on an x-ray. You have to be looking for it. So um, I would get maybe an ultrasound or a CT scan of the neck and, and check that out as well, usually with thyroid cancers big enough to be productive where they're producing extra thyroid hormone. Usually the dog is a little more hyper and usually more active and, um, and usually they're palpable because uh, I've taken a number of them out over the years and they were pretty palpable. Anyway, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining. I hope I waved everybody. If I did not get to your question, if I missed it, um, please, you can go ahead and just send me uh, the question. I will answer it either personally or online. And um, those of you here on Pet Life Radio, 
easily to get a hold of me, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. All my messages come to me. I will answer them. And if it's really good, tune in the following week because I'm going to answer your question online, which I love to do. So um, anyway, thanks for joining me. Thanks for our sponsors. Thank you to Mark. Next Sunday might be tough for me. I don't know yet because I will be in Utah. And I might be, you know, because it's an hour difference. We're taking at 10 o'clock. Usually by 10 o'clock, I may be on slopes. So we'll see. But otherwise, if I don't get to next week, send me your questions. And the following week, we will definitely be here. Mark, you're here two weeks from now? Yep. So for sure, two weeks from now, we'll be here. And uh, as I said, you can always reach during the week if you have any questions. Have a great week, everybody. They say more rain here in LA. I kind of hope so. That means more snow in Utah. So looking forward to it. All right. Be well. Have a great week. We'll see you in maybe one, but for sure two weeks. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.